I'm going to spend most of this morning in, in the book of First John, so you might want to uh, start turning there. We are uh, beginning a new series this morning um, uh, that I've kind of been I've been excited about, but also more nervous than most series because uh, this is called the Post It series. And so this is sort of just where we're each week going to be focusing on questions that you had. Uh, we had a board out in the foyer, and I had actually quite a few responses of just things that you're saying. We need to talk about this. I want I want to hear what you have to say about this. I got emails, I got text messages, and so it's a dip, more difficult series in the sense that I didn't I wasn't able to prepare for it as much like in advance, and I wasn't sure what we were going to be facing. And there actually are going to be some difficult topics in this. Um, but I, I, I do want to let you know that we're going to do our best. I'm going to try to do my best to respond to at least most of, of what you guys put forward, um, even for whoever it was that put a picture of Baby Yoda on my board. Um, I'm actually very thankful that made me laugh. I loved my little Baby Yoda. But if you want to continue to send in questions or things that you'd like us to talk about, um, I would love uh, to hear from you. Um, this first one um, is probably going to be the most important one. Uh, that we talk about. We had several um, uh, give us this question. Um, how do I know? How can I know that I really am a, a Christian, a follower of Christ? It was worded like this. Uh, how can I know I'm a Christian? Are you saved? Am I saved? How can I be saved? How do we feel that we are a Christian? I kind of like the way that was worded. Um, how do we know if our religion uh, Christianity is is right, as opposed to maybe atheism, which is a religion, so I liked it that they put it there, um, and Buddhism. Uh, how do I know if God will punish me or forgive me? Do you need to be a member of a church of Christ, you know, or a particular uh, denomination um, to be saved? Uh, these kinds of questions. Um, the reason this is so important to me, and I think that some of you would identify with this, is um, my walk with God personally um, like you, is very sacred to me. And it's extremely personal. Um, one of the greatest challenges, maybe I should say the, the greatest challenge I've had to face in my walk with God were these three questions. Is there a God? Does He know that I exist? And can I know that I am His child? Can I know that I am saved? Um, I've wrestled with those questions in my life. I've definitely been in a place in my life where I did not believe that God existed. I know I've been in a place in my life where I did not think He knew I existed. And to struggle with knowing that I am a Christian, it's been an incredible struggle in my life. And so that's why, personally, I'm very sensitive to this topic. Because what I realized is so much that comes out of religion today, instead of bringing peace, has actually brought quite the opposite of peace. So much of religion today distances people from God. Um, I can't tell you how many topics there are that that have done this. Um, Unless you... Speak in tongues, you're not a Christian. Unless you witness miracles, you're not a Christian. Unless you're really undergoing persecution and suffering, you're not a Christian. You've probably heard these. 
I was even told this last month by someone, unless I believe that Jesus Christ is currently in the flesh somewhere in heaven and he's actually still in the body, then I cannot be saved. And so people get into these really eclectic, weird doctrines. And unless you agree with them on the Greek, you know, then you're not a Christian. And I struggle with those thoughts regardless I struggle with my walk in God regardless of those things. And so religion comes in and does more and more and more to try to distance us from a walk with God when everything God writes in Scripture is exactly the opposite of that. God wants us to know that we are His children. Um, And so this to me is going to be the most sacred question we're going to talk about. And I want to begin with a prayer because... It is so important to me because I have struggled with this question in my life. It's intensely personal to me. And so if any of you have ever seen me angry, and many of you have, it was because this question, somebody started to trample on this and to teach something or to say something that would distance somebody from a belief in God. Um, Father, I want to ask of you that you would open up our hearts to the gospel that we would see you for who you are as a loving Father. And I pray, God, that, um, that we will handle this question uh, responsibly this morning. And I pray, God, that uh, the words in my mouth would not, I, I won't speak anything to try to just satisfy what people want to hear, and I won't say anything that would, that would detract from your grace. I just beg you, Father, that you'd give us wisdom in approaching your word on this incredibly important topic. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Um, I am going to spend some time in, in 1 John in just a minute. But I wanted to open with this, this verse. This is in 2 Corinthians 13. It's in the context of a, a, some pretty harsh language from, from Paul. But he says this, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Don't you realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. Um, Two things I want to make sure I do this morning. I've been in this talk a number of times in my life, and it's very common for the speaker to say, you are saved and you need to know it. That is a very common teaching today. That is not at all how Paul, Peter, John, or anybody would have handled this message. I don't believe that that's true. And and I know that that's a dark note note, note to start on. But I, I have heard that. In fact, I think I've probably taught that before. Where you just stand up and say, you need to have certainty you are saved. I don't believe that that's adequate. At the same time, I think that whatever we do with this message, we need to keep in mind... God's amazing grace. Uh, Billy talked about it this morning. In fact, I don't know that I've ever heard Billy talk where God's grace wasn't the bedrock of his message. Walking in the grace of an amazing God. And so both of these things I want to weigh out. But whatever salvation it is, it's something that we need to be able to examine ourselves to see whether or not we're in the faith that would not be necessary if it were true that everybody is in the faith, okay? And so it is important that we, uh, we take this message, you know, very seriously. First John says this, <laughs> and there's going to be a lot of this is how we knows, 
In fact, the entire book of 1 John essentially was written to answer this question. How do I know? And it begins with this. Uh, 1 John 2, 5 through 6, this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Now, there's an intimidating verse to start with. How do I know that I'm a Christian? I look like Jesus. And every single one of us is thinking, but I don't. But the idea of discipleship is I'm following him. I'm on that path. He is my standard. He is my desire. He is everything to me. So he opens with this, but he's going to break down in the book of 1 John what this means and what this looks like. He says in chapter 4, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. So the first one is, is sort of a belief. This is just the belief that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, I want to take this a step further because the idea of belief has always bothered me. In other words, if God is going to save me, if I, if I have some sort of, just because I believe this story, no, it's more than that. Because unless I truly believe and accept Jesus Christ as the Son of God, then I will not devote my life to his teaching. And that's why belief in him is the bedrock. It's everything. Because what Christ is asking of us is self-sacrifice. And not one of us is going to do that unless we truly believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It begins there and then he says this in 1 John chapter 2. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Now, this is tough because all of your life, you know, if you get on the internet and you type in, which is a dangerous thing to do for anything, but if you get on there and you type in, you know, how do I know I'm saved? Did you know that um, this is probably one of the topics that churches disagree on more than any other topic? And it's probably the most fundamental and foundational topic that we could talk about. But this is what we were, we will disagree on more than just about everybody else. There are a large number of people with a lot of letters after their names that will teach everyone is saved. Because God is a God of love, everyone must be saved. There are an equal number of people with a lot of letters after their names that would say, unless you're a part of this particular denomination that was begun in this year, then you're not a Christian. And all kinds of weird things that people do, and people will say, nothing we do matters Only God, only his grace, and nothing we can do. And I know that some of you are like, but that is the gospel. And I'm going to say sort of. And I know that a lot of people say, I cannot believe you just said sort of. Listen, repentance is something you must do. Belief is something you must do. Um, We're going to talk about baptism in a minute. And I want to be very careful not to be legalistic in my approach to baptism but I also must talk about what Jesus Christ told us to talk about, right? Um, And so we're going to talk about some of these things. But it says right here in 1 John, just keep your eyes glued on the text regardless of our opinions, right? We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Jesus Christ himself, when he's talked about life in him in John chapter 15, talks about a vine And he says, you know, if you're in me, if you're rooted in me, you will bear fruit. It's not the reverse. It's not if you bear fruit, you will be in me. That's legalism, right? But he's saying this, if you are in me, 
You will have life. You will have fruit. You will bear work. This is what life looks like in me. And so when we talk about works and we talk about a life that manifests the very spirit of Christ, listen, I I don't do the things I do to inherit salvation. I do the things that I do because my God calls me his son and I want to look like my father. That's what life in him looks like. He goes on and he says this in chapter 3. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Um, This is the heart of John's gospel. He's looking at the church like you have all of your life. And salvation somewhere along the line became just a doctrinal matter, just a legal matter. Something we would talk about and said, well, if you've done these steps or if you've done these things, then you're a Christian or these people are not Christians or anything like that. And and then you look at the body of Christ, regardless of our theology, regardless of our ecclesiology and all of these other ologies that you're going to throw out there, and you don't see the love of Christ in the body, then why are we talking about Greek words? Why are we debating junk if you don't even see the love of God in the body? And that's First John. He's super simple. There's no, there's no very high, <laughs> there's no, there's no highfalutin. I love the word falutin. I don't know what it means. Uh, there's no, there's no highfalutin, you know, um, debates going on. It's, it's so down to earth what John writes. He just says, man, you know Christians, how? They love people. They are in love with people because they see people through the eyes of God and they imitate Him in His walk and in His love. Um, 1 John 3 says this, and these are some of the, mo- the greatest verses that have to do with, like, how can I know, right? It says this, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth. And how we set our, how about this? How we set our hearts at rest in His presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us. <laughs> I don't know if that hits you the way it hits me, but when He writes this, that got me. When my heart condemns me, God is greater than my heart, and He knows all things. When I stand before a loving father, not a far off God, but as a, before a loving father, even when my heart condemns me, I love that he writes this. God is greater than your heart. And I promise you, God has more compassion and more grace than we can fathom. Um, I remember one time, and I've used this analogy before, but um, when I was a kid at church, at University Avenue Church in, in Austin, I remember I got in a lot of trouble with my mom and dad because I had a Rubik's Cube and it rolled up about five aisles under the seats, aisles, I mean, rows under the seats. So while they're singing, I get on my hands and knees and I crawl through all of the legs of the church, five rows up. I was proud of myself and I stood up and I looked at my mom and I said, I got my Rubik's Cube. And she gave me that look, you know, and I was in trouble. 
And I remember after church, an elder walked up to me, and I just remember he was wearing a green coat, and I don't know what his name was, but I remember the green jacket. And he walked up to me, and he had a little soldier, a little figurine. And he said, young man, I want you to have this. And I said, I can't take that from you. And he said, I need you to have this. Please take this from me. And he said, are you sure? I wanted nothing more than to take. It was the coolest little thing I'd ever seen in my life. I think it was a Civil War soldier or something. And I said, no, I can't. Now, the reason I said no was because I had been bad. And I didn't want to let my parents down by accepting a gift by somebody because I didn't deserve the gift. Then, guess how my parents felt? What's wrong with you? You just turned down, you've been horrible this morning, you just turned down this man, because the greater problem that I had was I rejected grace. You know, it was like, you're already messed up, and then on top of all my other sins, God wants one thing from me. You need my grace. And the greatest sin man can commit is to reject the grace of God. And an actual sin that man can commit is rejecting the grace of God. And it's the one thing that if we were to get into these strange topics, these weird topics about, oh man, have I, if I committed the sin that's the unforgivable sin, all this other stuff, I promise you, I'll just give it to you in a nutshell, it comes down to this, rejecting the grace of God, rejecting the cure, rejecting the one thing that can bring me back into fellowship with Him. Okay? And so... uh He's greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Uh, another part of this question I want to, I want to address before I, I really uh, try to get to the point of all of this is, um, <laughs> uh, do I need to be a part of a certain church? Do I need to be a part of, say, the Church of Christ or, or, or some other church or anything like that? You're like, wow, that's tricky ground right there. I hope it's not. Um, I hope it's not. Um, the church in the early days didn't have signs like we do today, Right? Churches today are like restaurants, and I've used the analogy before, but it's like you've got this flavor, that flavor, this flavor, which flavor is the right one kind of a thing. Do you know in the early church, it was more like this. They had signs over their doors as well. Did you know that? These are the signs. These are the original signs over the church entrances. Um, The ichthus, the Cairo, I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, I I don't know if you can see it, but it's an X in a row. Um, The anchor. The anchor is my favorite one. We'll talk about that in a minute. But these, these, these were the original church signs. Now, they didn't talk to one another and say, hey, are you a member of the anchor? At least I hope. I wasn't there, but I don't think they did. Uh, are you a member of the wheel? Are you a member of the ichthus? Are you a member of the... They didn't talk like that. These pictures represented something. The first one, the wheel, um, has the, the iota representing Jesus, Jesus. Um, Christos, Theos, that means God, uh, that's the Theta, uh, and Uyos, Son, um, Soter, um, Savior. Um, that is the, and I, I don't like doing the Greek either, um, but that is the ichthus. When you see the fish on the back of people's cars, it's these, these letters right here, Jesus Christ, God, Son, Savior. And that's why the fish was an early symbol of the church. So when you see the wheel, it's just another way of presenting the ichthus, right? But, but these, these images, the anchor, I'll come back to it, the anchor here, um, 
anchor was a symbol of safety. And so they combined the cross with an anchor to demonstrate, this is my security. This is my God. This is my everything. This is talking about who you are. The Cairo, that comes from Constantine, and it's just the first two letters of Christ's name. But the point is this, that these, these were the original church signs, right? Um, when churches came along and had different belief systems and different things like this, I don't like to get into this. If you want to talk about Church of Christ history, it's always Brad Morrow. He knows so much about this, and I don't. But he and I know one thing about church history with Church of Christ. It is this. The entire point was to not be just a little building with a sign over it that says, we're the real Christians. The entire point was to humbly say, we are a part of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is defined and known only by God. You cannot look it up in a phone book. You can't look and say, I'm going to go to the church. The church is an identity that a people are a part of, right? Um, the reason this is so important is because, well, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 4, my conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. Look at this. He just said this. Hey, you guys aren't going to determine this. God knows those who are His. He knows them. And He knows those who are not. And He will determine these things. It says in 1 John 4, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in Him and He in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Um, Oh, that really went awry. That's not how it was supposed to go. So I just want to focus on this last line here. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Um, If there's one story that I think demonstrates salvation, uh, it would be the prodigal son. Um, Imagine the prodigal son where this this father loves his children. And I mean loves them. Loves his son. Brad talked in class this morning about love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Have you ever thought about the reverse of that? That God loves you with all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his mind, and all of his strength. He works and thinks constantly about one thing. I want you to be my child and I want you to be with me forever. He is not a cold judge on a bench somewhere that says someday you're going to bring me your papers and I'm going to make a ruling and it's over. He is a loving father that wants nothing more than for me to live forever with him. That is the essence of the gospel. And so in the story of the prodigal son, just imagine I've left him. My sin has taken me away from him. My heart has taken me away from him. I've gone a separate direction. And and, and now he welcomes me home. He opens his arms up to complete forgiveness for me. And then I respond to him. Imagine were I to respond to that kind of love and say, well, that's a work coming back home. And I'm not going to do a work. That's not the response of a child that is repentant. I want to say this about baptism. And this is so crucial that we understand this. Because we made a mistake back in the day. We continue to make it often today, and I've probably made it a lot. We've turned a sacred, beautiful doctrine into something that is cold and legalistic. And as a result, 
have chased people away from even acknowledging it as from God. This is what the Word says. Baptism saves you. 1 Peter 3.21 Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. Romans 6, we were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Baptism is given from God. It is a sacred thing and it doesn't represent a step of salvation. I think that that was the biggest mistake as we made salvation to be something where if you do these things, now you're a child of God. Baptism represents salvation. Because when I am immersed into God, yes, through water, when I am immersed into Him, what I am saying is, God, heart, soul, mind, strength, I believe in you, and I'm entering into covenant with you. It's an extremely sacred thing. And so when it comes to things like this, the reason covenant is so important, the reason I wanted to talk about this is, I am not going to stand in front of you and tell you who is Christians and who are not Christians based on things like this. I am going to say this. If you are asking, well, I do believe in God. I do love God. I wasn't baptized. So what? You're in a terrifying place. That is not the right question. That is not the way we respond to a holy and loving God. Um, It would be the same thing as me dating Melinda I love her. We're good. We don't fight. But I don't want to marry her. And she's like, man, you, you say you're, you're in covenant with me. You say you're going to. I said, no, I'll never leave you. I'll never. It's just you. It's just you, girl. Then why don't you want to get married? Because I don't think we need that. How is a girl going to respond to me? I don't know how the guys are going to answer, but I can tell you how the girls are going to answer. Um, it, it don't work. That, that is not the way we respond to a holy God. I think we need to honor baptism as sacred, right? Um, having said all that, there's an image I want to leave you with. Ezekiel chapter 9, Revelation chapter 13 have this really creepy image. But it's actually a beautiful image. It's an image of a town and all these people that um, you, can't, you don't know who's gods or who's not gods. And man can't determine that. And it says that an angel would come throughout the people and mark them on their forehead and their right hand. And God marked those who were his. And some people were doomed to everlasting life, you know, and some were doomed to destruction. This is Ezekiel 9 and Revelation 13. But the point of those passages is this. Did you catch it? Where were they marked? Their forehead and their right hand. You, you remember what Deuteronomy 6 says when God gives his law. He says, you will inscribe these things where? You will keep them as frontlets on your forehead and your right hand. Why? God is first in my thought and first in my action. This is my God. This is my faith. And only God knows those things. Only God really knows the human heart. And so your walk with God is something so sacred, so private, something so between you and Him. And so... If I were to just bring this message to you in a nutshell, what I've said is this. In our obedience to God, to know that I'm a Christian, it is to follow Him and to show complete reverence for His commands and everything to try to follow Him as best as I can. 
And it's to know this. He's a loving father that weighs man's heart before him. And I do believe you can have certainty in your salvation. And I, I, I do have certainty in mine. But it goes back to what Billy said. The reason I have certainty is because the incredible grace of my father. I know that I love him. And even though in my life I may never see a miracle in the common sense of miracle. I, I, I may never speak in tongues unless it's really bad Spanish. I, I, I may, you know, but I know this one thing that before God and I'll lay my heart before him. I love my God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind and with all of my strength. And in my life, I have failed miserably at imitating him. But he loves me like a son. And he loves you like a daughter. And I can tell you this, that it won't be about us believing everything right. Not one of us is going to stand before his throne and say, ha, I knew I got the Greek right on that. We're going to fall before his throne desperately in need of his grace. And he's a loving father who is desperate to extend it. I want to pray for our humility in coming before him. Because I did not want to leave you simply with a comforting message and say, don't worry, you're a Christian. I don't think that that's fair. I want you to have that mindset that he talks about. It says, I want to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, honoring the great gift that this is and what this means for me. Uh, let's present ourselves before God's throne in a prayer. And, um, and just ask that God would give us peace of mind. That he would give us repentance where we need repentance. That he would call children back that are far away. Um, but that every day of our life we would walk in the spirit of thanksgiving for his love and what he's done for us. Um, Father, I... Um, I'm terrified right now uh, of this message. And I pray that I've done uh, okay. But I pray, Father, that for your people that we, have, we will just put ourselves at, at your word and that we won't treat salvation as just some kind of weird doctrine of maybe I'll be saved and maybe I won't be saved. But we would recognize you as a loving father that wants nothing more than fellowship with us. And that we would recognize that that does demand on our part turning to you, giving ourselves to you. And Father, um, even, if, even if in our own eyes, our own works are nothing, I uh, pray, Father, that they would be for your glory. Um, I ask God that you would robe your church today with a spirit of love towards one another, with a spirit of humility. And more than anything else, God, I'm praying for a spirit of certainty to know that we are yours. It's in the name of Christ. Amen.